Oh, that reminds me. I was going to ask you. <laughs> I was thinking about That's this. That's a in, video moment that I we missed out on. I was thinking about this in the shower today. Oh. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to wait. After you just adjusted your boobs and you're like, yes. oh, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Okay. This is related. Oh, <laughs> okay. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to wait until we're mic'd up before I ask you this. <laughs> I've been looking at myself. Okay. And I'm like. I should definitely get like a mommy makeover. I need all kinds of stuff lifted and tucked and cut off. Oh. And I was like, oh. I need to ask Kelly what her boobs look like. <laughs> she doesn't have any kids. Because let me tell you, mine are sad. Well, I don't know. What do they look like? They're kind of empty. Well, I mean, mine? Mine? mine. Oh, I literally I mean, puffed my mine... chest out and you're like, they look kind of empty. <laughs> mine look fine right now. But when there's no support. <laughs> Swing well, low, sweet chariots. <laughs> Creep no! Bratton. Do you remember that? Yes, okay. I do. Okay. I, I didn't come up with that. I didn't want to take credit. low. Yeah. Sweet. That's how I feel. Like, I feel like I need a lift and reduction. Tummy tuck. Well, I already had lift. that. I know you did, but that's what I'm saying. Oh. We're the same age. No, I'm just like, well. how's that holding up for you? That's all. Oh, well, <laughs> I mean. Yeah, but you're wearing a bra. That's not fair. You're cheating right now. I mean, I'm not asking you to take off your house. <laughs> Do you know? I just wanted your I word. Had to I'll tell take you my, at your word. I had to tell myself, don't reach back there and watch them. <laughs> I could see you were thinking about it. Hi, I'm Olivia. And I'm Kelly, and this is a Court of Theories podcast, where we deep dive all things Akatar, Throne of Glass, and Crescent City. This podcast contains spoilers. I mean, <laughs> you know what? Uh, it's my 10-year anniversary for my boob reduction in April. Yesterday was 10 years ago I got engaged. What? I know. That was last year. Where are we getting all these emails from? I didn't open the email that said it was with theory, but this one says a court of theories is ranking very well in Costa Rica. We're number 75 in category books in Costa Rica. What? What it says. Apparently there's only 76 podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. I don't know how many there are. Hello at podstatus.com. Yeah, that's the one about Costa Rica. Thanks, Carlos. He could be lying, but I don't care. It made me feel good. You know what? We have the receipts. (laughs) And then we have enemy number one of the SJN fandom, and that's Luke with (laughs) Bloomsbury's marketing team. (laughs) I saw that. That was funny. (laughs) Public enemy number one. Also, I saw where Yaz zoomed in on, because she is trying so hard to zoom in on the books and stuff to see if she can get any like text from it. She said, that is definitely Silver Flames. The orange is a dead giveaway. Oh, that's funny. They just had him wrapped. <laughs> I was going to say, it seems like they wouldn't just hand those out willy-nilly. It looked like there was only just the one. Can you imagine if there's just like one copy in all of Bloomsbury, they're like, okay, guys. And I've seen a couple of people that are just like really trying, hoping for this arc. Did she send out? There's no way that she would just send out arcs. It would almost have to be to other authors. Because she is not going to want. She prob- She is not going to want any of that leaked. 
I was going to say, I doubt sheets. I doubt they send arcs to anybody. Yeah. With how many priests number, their pre sale numbers, I doubt they send them to anybody. Yeah. And I was like, if they, they do, <laughs> no, they don't need to. And it's like, if she did, it would be people like inner, inner circle. <laughs> pun intended. The pun was 110% intended. Yeah. So let's talk about that Bloomsbury marketing tease. I guess that they are just literally not giving anything with that marketing tease. I think the last two books and even like Akasif, I think they were giving a little bit more. They're not fucking giving anything. You Luke and like four random people. There were no physical arcs given for CC two or silver flames. So I really highly doubt that there's going to be. Yeah. This says my friend works for shelf awareness, a traditional magazine. She got a watermarked PDF one week before the CC two publication but it was impossible to read due to the watermarks. She had to sign an NDA to even like accept it. She had to scramble to try to read and write a proper review, basically only media sites and traditional review magazines like Kirkus reviews or Washington post got a copy a week before no bloggers or anybody got anything earlier for CC two. So there ain't no, ain't no. nobody getting shit. Yeah. This review is going to write itself. I was going to say six months ago, she had 750,000 yeah. pre-orders. That's, that's not, I don't know. That's not first week sales or. Yeah. But you know how sometimes Reddit will send you that email of like, here's some topics within whatever threads or whatever you're part of. Somebody literally was asking if Target was going to restock their version. And I was like, restock their version. What are you talking about? Because I guess it is because that's the one that it's Asriel, Bryce, and Nesta, I think is the bonus chapter for that one. That's Walmart, isn't it? Is that Walmart? I'm pretty sure Walmart because everybody's like, why does Walmart have the best chapter? Then which one is the Target one? But yeah, this girl, but either way, this girl was like, when are they going to restock that version? And I was like, I don't think it's sold out. It's in pre-order. And we're still like six weeks out. <laughs> I don't understand. I just like, searched Bryce Asriel Nesta bonus chapter. Oh, the no. first one says, this is like a Reddit post. And it's like, I have no idea who Bryce is. I'm only in TOG right now. But seeing Nesta and Az show up in a CC book has me so excited to get caught up. And then I scroll down and there's somebody's Instagram post. And it says, somebody sedate me in all capital letters. <laughs> That's amazing. That was like a TikTok sound. Sorry, I thought you would know. No. Mm. Mm. Can you shut up? Is the I think I think the Bryce Azrael and Nesta one somebody had posted up there that they are pretty sure that it is sixteen pages of a bonus chapter. I saw that, and I'm here for it. I am yeah, fucking here for it. But I've been writing down or like noting people's scents. I was just think I was just thinking about that today because. I started re-listening to it today. Yeah. And Embers Ember, like stood out to me. It was yeah, something so, in Nutmeg. Do you know who else's is, is something in Nutmeg? No, but I was hoping. I was going to go look it up and I forgot. It's the Autumn King. He smells oh, like ash really? and nutmeg. And then she's... Is that the Starborn in him? And then, and then she... What is it? It's something in Nutmeg. This is Hunt. Thinking. Her, that's weird. It's probably supposed to say her scent still, but it just says her still. 
Oh, oh. the scent of her still lingered oh. on the sidewalk. <laughs> it was cut off. Lilac and nutmeg and something he couldn't quite place like the gleam of the star first stars at nightfall. I'm sorry, but no man has ever thought you smell like the gleam of the no. first stars at nightfall. No. Do you know what Casey would say that I smelled like? Dove body wash. Because oh, that's what we... Say chlorine. Oh, maybe that too. I don't know. Listen. Hunt smells like rain-kissed cedar. So he smells like the outdoor section of Lowe's. Um, I mean, hey, I like that. Listen, I, I'm just saying. Oh, God, where did it say? Because she basically is saying that, like, she wishes that, or she's thinking about the smell of her mom. Yeah. Where is it? Maybe I'm too far down. Honeysuckle and nutmeg is ember. I just want to know how these people get all these natural scents. This is some BS. Talk about like, <clears throat> standards that these authors are setting. <laughs> Sorry. That I, we I, can't I, meet. I smell like Dev Body Wash and chlorine. I don't know what I smell like. I don't know. Right now the house smells like onions. <laughs> um, so I Googled meaning of honeysuckle. And then, of course, it's just the dictionary. A widely distributed climbing shrub with tubular flowers and I was like totally tubular like it's, that's immediately what my brain did and I'm like oh my god that are typically fragrant honeysuckle flowers represent true happiness romantic love good fortune and sweetness towards one another cute yeah I still stand by what I said that I think that ember and the autumn king could have potentially been mates just because also by or both of their scents and then because of the whole thing that happened with the temple that like basically stopped him from being able to get her basically. Mm, you know what? Because that, so we did the whole starborn thing from both sides. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So if she was, that would hint that she has fey lineage then, right? <clears throat> yeah. I know. I think she does. Yeah. I think it's an alien situation where yeah. it's like repressed enough or because what is it? Or even like more, maybe even like an elite situation where like she has some like some witch blood, but it's just very watered down. That could very well be an emperor situation or yeah, she could either be a lead or Aelin where it's either just, it's very watered down or it's suppressed because they just keep continuously talking about her mortal lifespan. Mm-hmm. It just keeps getting brought up. And I'm like, there, we are not going to continuously just keep bringing that up without that meaning something in the future. What is the meaning of the name nutmeg? Nuts and Meg. Oh, <laughs> the name nutmeg is a girl's name, meaning musknut. <laughs> that sounds <made> up. <laughs> it's on nameberry.com. You don't trust that? Here we go. Gonna break first. <laughs> Hi, it's me. I'll always break first. Do you look at the nutcrackers around this room and think of your dad? I immediately thought that looks like Walt. Oh yeah, no, the surf and Santa definitely gives Walt vibes. So does this one a little, like if he wore a Santa hat. Oh yeah, also because the hot chocolate and stuff. That is definitely Walt. No, you're right. So then I'm just like looking at all of them around the room like this is... Yeah, that's Walt, all of them. That one up there is definitely Walt. He's got a little paler skin. I'm not really sure about the three stacked guys. It's a little, I don't know. A little mustachio over there. Yeah. He's not really so much him either. But. Yeah, not, yeah, not so much him. He's definitely like the nutcracker ballet nutcracker. That's, I don't know. But yeah, Surf and Santa, he's one of my favorites. I put him back here because I knew you'd like him. I knew you'd like him. I like the Walt vibes, Santa and Mrs. Claus. 
Speaking of Santa and Mrs. Claus. We're getting real close to Christmas. I'm a little bit sad that there's no like Krampus and Akator. Ak- oh my God. Akator? Akator. I was going to say Akatar lore and I just mushed them together. Is there not? Oh, there is nothing that. Oh, no. I guess maybe it's just Kier. <laughs> he could be Krampus. Cassian. <laughs> was it Cassian or Reese? Or the bone carver. That they say that. Amron was like something they talk about in your nightmares. As yeah. A kid. Oh, so she's Krampus. Yeah, but I'm just like, why is there no like? They give gifts. Yeah. You need something to really scare everyone into good behavior. I guess maybe Have it's you just seen the Krampus videos of the parades in other countries. Yes, and stuff? it's terrifying. First of all, I didn't know there was more than one, and the fact that there are like multiple, multiple Krampi is oh. terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> The way that we both looked at each other like, yeah. Grandpa, for uh-huh. sure. Yeah, no, it's fucking terrifying. One of the podcasts I listened to, and that's why we drink, she, Christine is German. So like her parents are like 100% German, immigrated over. And everything she tells about her childhood, like, she's like, oh yeah, they would just like, tell this story about like this little gnome that would come in and climb through your window and smother you in your sleep if you like didn't do this like sorry. this like kind of shit and like um they're just like what and they're like oh yeah we, that was just what they told no and you're fine with that it's creepy enough that a little woman would come in and steal your teeth and then she grew up to be kesha but have you never seen kesha's tooth necklace no oh yeah so kesha has a tooth necklace that she asked her fans Ew. to send their teeth into her. I You're, hate that. Don't Google it because it's gross. It was. I a, hope they were like teeth that had already fallen out. Like nobody like. No. People ripped their teeth out of their heads to give them to Kesha. Some of them still had the blood on them and everything, bro. Oh, I mean, it's not great. I didn't do it. Yeah. The party don't start till she walks in with that tooth necklace on. So, so unsavory. Yeah. The fact that there's still blood like. We're done. Anyways. So. Happy winter solstice and happy birthday, Farah! because this episode will drop on winter solstice. Happy birthday, Farah! Yeah. How old is she now? <laughs> Nowhere near Reese's age. That's for sure. Because what? She, she'd still be in her 20s. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> I mean, ew. <laughs> that 500-year-old high did lord turn, dick. I was like, say, did she turn 20? In she turned twenty in Akatar. No, yes, no. How? We didn't make it all the way to Winter Solstice in Akatar. No. So Akmaf, she turned twenty. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, I didn't know which book it was. That she I think it's Akmaf that they celebrate her twentieth birthday. I think they are like in Valaris. It says yeah. Like he like it says in Akasef she'd be twenty one or twenty two. So when did that come out? Like three years ago. Twenty one was when it came out. So yeah. So she turned twenty one in Akasef. It was no in twenty twenty one is when it was published. So if we like took that as gospel, she'd be what twenty four now. Regardless, still way too young. I keep seeing in all of my little book groups for fantasy and fantasy romance and stuff, people are like. Are there any of these books where people are like 30 years old? And I'm like, that's my niche. That's my calling. I need to write older. So us. Protagonists. You said older. So our age? Yeah. Mm. Bryce. I'm like, oh, Bryce is mature. She's freaking 25. Yeah. She planned to make the drug. And I I think it 
really throws us off because she talks about making the drop at 27. And I'm like, oh, that has to be coming up really soon. No, it's like 15 years away. <laughs> and also Rune is 75. He's good yeah. looking for 75. That's <laughs> so weird. I just can't think about it. I know. I feel like that whenever you pass that threshold of like, maybe it's like 100 where you're like, Okay, cool. They still look yeah, like... Yeah, like Hunt's like 233 and I'm like, whatever. But Rune being 75, I'm like... Gross. <laughs> my my dad is 73. Like, <laughs> but he doesn't look like that. No. No. Uh, he, you know what, though? He looks like he's in his 60s. That's right. Go, Walter. Anyways, wow. We really sidebarred hard on that. Also, so this comes out on the 21st. Today is the last day of Hanukkah as we're recording our record day. And so happy Hanukkah. We hope everyone had a wonderful Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. You got it. Eight crazy nights. <laughs> what? It's literally our only exposure to Hanukkah. I know. I have one. God, this is middle America for you. I have one Jewish friend. And then one of my swimmers, which he's in college now, but like one of my club team swimmers, he is Jewish because they're from New Jersey originally. And listen. I got to go to his bar mitzvah. Girl. Is it fun? It was so much fun. So you go to temple in the morning. And then he read the scripture in Hebrew. And then also their books are backwards. Like you go from instead of reading left to right, you read right to left. So that was very, I tried. And then you watched everybody at the same time, just like slowly close. (laughs) (laughs) But like, he did great. And then you go to a brunch afterwards. And then you came back that evening for a reception at the country club. That was nicer than a lot of weddings I've been to. The food was bitching. And the cake was literally six layers tall. And I'm like, this is for a 13-year-old boy. There are brides. <laughs> he does not deserve <laughs> no. this. I'm like, they brought this in. This kid has to be forced to shower. Right? <laughs> no, for real. I had to, literally last year, had before this, had to have a deodorant conversation with this kid. And like, <laughs> he is bringing in, they're bringing in professional break dancers, like, from like Cincinnati. It, it, right? That's they not d- where I would think they professional dro- break dancers right? I mean, listen, who knows though, like. And that is a weird part of the Midwest. <laughs> Anyways, so happy Hanukkah. But I wanted to just give you a couple of like winter solstice facts because it's just really cool that this will actually be on winter solstice. So let's see. So there's uh, mythical monsters of winter solstice. And I was Ooh. like, ooh. Okay. So in Finnis. So this is like Krampus. It's not in Akatar, But this is just like a general. Yeah. This winter is, solstice. yeah, so in... The legitimate uh, winter solstice. In Finnish myth- mythology, that's, wow, that did not roll off the tongue. <laughs> well, it's told that Luhi, L-O-U-H-I, the witch goddess of the north, Manon, <laughs> kidnapped the sun and the moon and held them captive inside of a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait. <laughs> wait a minute. I'm sorry. What? What? What is Ember and Solis. Randall like? Solus and Cathona. Yeah. But anyways. Okay. Wow. Maybe Krampus is in there. Uh, so then causing the darkness of winter. So the yup. <laughs> you pick. I was like, yuppick. Like, <laughs> I'm, I was, I'm so sorry. That's very offensive. I, you. <laughs> oh, that's staying in. <laughs> Y-U-P-I-K peoples. 
that's indigenous to the Arctic. The Yupik peoples that are indigenous to the Arctic tell the story of, so it's K-O-G-U-K-H-P-A-K. Kogapak? Say it again. K-O-G-U-K-H. It's that U-K-H-P-A-K. So it's something pack. Is the H silent? This is, shows it as a P-U-K. Google does. Okay, anyways, so these Kogupak are subterranean monsters with <laughs> bulbous bodies <laughs> and frog-like legs. This looks like a beaver. Who could only be killed by the sun. So it's me. On the winter solstice, those subterranean monsters emerged to hunt and to hunt... Okay. Because it's the longest night of the year. Uh Uh-huh. It literally looks like a beaver. Mammoth carcasses were said to be the corpses of the ones who stayed out too long and died when the sun returned. Mm. That's graphic. In Greek mythology, the Kalikanzeros were (laughs) angry, hairy, gnome-like creatures. That sounds like the German story I was talking about. (laughs) Who lived underground and tried to cut down the tree of life. Oh. Oh. Like the subterranean monsters with bulbous bodies in the Arctic, they could also be killed only by sunlight and emerged during the solstice to wreak havoc on homes and villages. Yikes. They were reputed to be rather dumb and unable to count past three. Sounds like some of my swimmers. So villagers put out... Oh, my God. (laughs) Sorry. So villagers put out colanders. I almost said colanders. Because <laughs> that's what we and Casey say just to be stupid. I'm like, hammer that colander over. <laughs> so they put out colanders to ward them off. Why? I don't know. I guess because they're rather dumb. The gnome creatures would end up trying to, oh, trying to count the holes in the colanders until sunrise and then have to go back underground before they could cause any mischief. Well, that one's lame. I wonder where they like stole babies or something. Oh my God. And then I was trying to look up because I don't know. Did you ever watch the new Sabrina, the teenage witch that was on Netflix? Not the old one with Melissa Joan Hart, but the new one. Mm -mm. So they had, it was like their quote unquote, like Christmas slash Yule episode. Cause obviously they're not going to be celebrating Christmas as witches. And theirs was, and so I was trying to find if they had to hold this or if they just made it up that, winter solstice was a night that the veil was thin and the whole point of the yule log was you had to keep the yule log burning all night so evil spirits didn't come into your home through your chimney Mm. i remember that and i was like "Ooh, that's really cool but one thing i thought was really cool was that the winter solstice is a time not a date so it actually falls either on the 21st or the 22nd of december for the northern hemisphere And then it actually happens once in the Northern Hemisphere and once in the Southern Hemisphere, and they're not on the same dates. So, yeah, the Northern Hemisphere happens in December, and then the Southern Hemisphere happens in June. So I thought that was interesting. I have something that's relevant and fun. Tell me. Okay. So at goddessgift.com, there's an article called Winter Solstice and Goddesses Myths. This says... It's talking about it being typically the longest night of the year on December 21st. Mm-hmm. Seen as a reborn of the start of the solar year and accompanied by festivals of light to mark the rebirth of the sun. In ancient Europe, this night of darkness grew from the myths of the Norse goddess Frigga. F-R-I-G-G-A. 
which we're pretty sure is Farah, who sat at her spinning wheel weaving the fates, and the celebration was called Yule from the Norse word Jule, meaning wheel. The Christmas wreath, a symbol adapted from Frigga's Wheel of Fate, reminds us that the cycle of the seasons and the continuity of life. And then down here in Northern Europe, the year's longest night is called Mother Night. Interesting. Hmm. Um, it was in darkness. The goddess Frigga labored to bring the light to birth once more. The young son, Baldur, who controlled the sun and rain and brought fruitfulness to the fields, was born. Frigga's blessing is invoked for all birthing women. Lighting a white candle that last burned on the solstice is a charm to provide a safe delivery. I don't know. That just sounds real Feyre coded. <laughs> yeah, it definitely sounds real Feyre coded. Now that we're like talking about Feyre, we got an email from a listener. Hmm. Yeah. I haven't got to hear this email, so I'm excited. I'm so excited. So this is from Jill and Jill sent us an email and I'm here to tell you what she came at it. She came at it. I was really excited with the theory that she came up with. I will tell you that it is hilarious because her subject line is current status. And then in all caps, screaming this theory into the void. And I was like, I love it. Um, so Jill says, first of all, thank you for being one of the only SJM theory podcasts. Woo. Everything is a reread podcast, which is fine, (laughs) but I'm not reading the books for the first time and have been desperate to deep dive and chat about theories. You two scratch that itch. I appreciate that more than, you know, I know when I told you I was crying last night, I meant it. (laughs) That said, I have a theory that I am deeply unnerved by. And I'm like, Ooh, like whenever something just comes out where you're like, you have sat and you have thought about this. Mm -hmm. This is not something you just pulled out of your ass. And something you mentioned in a recent podcast has me bursting at the seams to relay this information. The weaver or weavers. Okay. Plural. Will not ever be harmless. Striga is a straight Striga is straight out of nightmares. And here's why we should all be immensely concerned for Feyre Reese and especially baby Nix. Okay. Okay. For context. I also loved that she gave context. <laughs> okay, girl. I like many read the Akatar series first, which same hand up. Definitely did. What a gateway drug that was. <laughs> I'm like, Jill, you funny. I then moved on to Crescent city and very recently wrapped up the throne of glass books. So she, def- her order was definitely way different than mine. Mm-hmm. I did throne of glass second. Yes. And then Crescent city last. Same, same, same. Upon first read of the cutesy holiday rom-com that is Akafas. <laughs> I love it. I know people are like, you can skip it. No, you can't. No, you can't. And I love it. I love it so much. Um, Some respect on her name. Thank you. I always thought a particular chapter was weird, but also deeply beautiful. Maybe too beautiful to be just meaningless. I'm talking about chapter 15. I have goosebumps. I don't even know what's going to happen. And I have goosebumps. In this chapter, listen, I'm that's why I was like, I need you. Jill's got it. She wouldn't let me open it. She's like, don't look at the email. Don't look at the email, but it's about a void. So (laughs) buckle up. So in this chapter, Elaine asked Farrah to go shopping with her the day before solstice. Mm -hmm. And Farrah is feeling a guilty for shopping when they have all they need. B still reeling from the war with Highburn. C upset about fighting with Nesta. And finally, most importantly, D wandering around without any of her wise friends who know things that she doesn't about magical stuff that might be dot bad. She is an illiterate human. Right. Made into Faye walking around this 
She didn't grow up there. She, she didn't grow up she's there. learning it all brand new. New city. Mm-hmm. It's like me in New York the first time. I was like, this is not a cornfield. Okay. So they wind up at a weaver shop. She specifically notes how different it is from the weaver's cottage. I also was like, it's just really weird that there's a weaver. Like whenever I was, especially doing a reread, I was like, mm, okay. But the weaver working there isn't particularly welcoming. She's brokenhearted about her husband who, quote, died in the war. She goes on about having created this tapestry out of fabric that is so black it consumes all color and light that she very specifically calls void. I think Feyre even apologizes for like showing up to the shop, doesn't she? I think so. She's, she asks about it and the lady's like, this is the fourth time today I'm telling a right. story. And I was like, wow. Feyre apologizes. Didn't just leave a note next She's, to it. Feyre is such a Midwest girly. 100%. <laughs> she definitely walks sideways in a crowded room and says, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yes. And then her goodbyes are forever long. Okay. Uh, yes. On the tapestry, the night court insignia is sewn in and then she has in quotes, iridescent silver thread okay she said okay pause (laughs) steigen spider silk much oh shit wouldn't have caught it the first time because duh i didn't know about those little assholes yet (laughs) i'm telling you jill okay so the whole time i'm reading that are those like literal spiders because i was imagining like women spider humanoids are they actual spiders I, i i think they're actual spiders okay Double, Stig- is it was it Stygian? Is that how is that over here? Yeah, I don't S-T-Y-G-I-A-N. know. S T Y G I A N. Yeah. Oh yeah, I might have just butchered how you say that, but I'm also a Midwestern girl, and I don't know how to say shit. <laughs> this throne of glass wiki says that they're a species of Volg. Yeah. I don't remember that. I don't remember that connection. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. No, that's okay. Anyway, the scene goes on, and this woman feeds them some. <laughs> I love the way that Jill is just presents this woman. Anyway, the scene goes on and this woman feeds them some sob story about a few things that makes this even more foreboding. And then she has bullet points. I'm telling you, I love this. The formatting is great. She and her husband were married for 300 years. There's the fucking threes, man. He died in, quote, the war, dot, dot, dot. They never had the chance, and then in all caps, to have children. She started, quote, trying to create the void the day after she found out he died. He died after, quote, going south with some others who thought it was right. Joining up with a random summer court legion and dying in the battle for Adiratia, right? Uh, Adriata. Yep. Yep. Adriata. Got your back. Yep. Thank you. Um. Also, I just would also like to say, Jill, you got to pick a bigger font size, homegirl, because like, <laughs> whoa. Okay. We are old. Yeah. Jill, I don't know how old you are, but if it's younger than 31, <laughs> we're going to need a bigger font. Like, <laughs> I know you have a lot to say, but I will scroll for however long you need me to scroll. Okay. And so then she says, now look, I don't know how exactly this all fits together, but the story isn't adding up. And I also like the fact that she's like, the puzzle pieces, I don't. You know, I'm not really sure, but mm-hmm. you're looking at it and you're like, something right here. Yeah. Somebody's done stole a puzzle piece or ate I mean, it. it is like, yes, I agree. Cause it's like a random thing thrown in, which most people are like, oh, that was random. That was unnecessary. That was filler. Yeah. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's never filler. <laughs> the attack on Adriata was a total surprise. 
There's no reason that someone from the night court would have joined a legion prior to that attack. Not to mention the summer court was still straight pissed at Reese and Feyre for stealing the book of breathings, even up to that point. So either this lady is talking about a war that didn't happen so recently, or her husband was actually part of some coup that didn't love Reese and his inner circle and was actually fighting for the other side. Whenever I read that, it made it seem in the book like that was like a one day thing. Oh, that battle? Yeah, because it's, like, it's like going on and then like they get word of it and they immediately go and like it's over. And then- yeah, but time is only a construct. <sighs> so I know we don't even know how time works. So I'm just trying like I'm. No, no, no. I understand. Like, yeah, wouldn't have had time to even join it because it was a surprise. Yeah. Not to mention why in the F would she be sewing specifically the night court insignia into the damn thing if it's about pain and loathing? And if she was a and then she has friend slash loyalist. She wouldn't. (laughs) Fair is just too dumb to put two and two together in the moment. To be fair, she's hungover. So I get it. No judgment. (laughs) Anyway, her sob story gets Feyre right in the fields, and she's all like, I'll take it. There's no talk of cost because charge it to the High Lord Lady of Valar's tab. But kids, I'm here to tell you that damn tapestry hanging on that art studio wall is about to be the demise of our friends. Somehow, some way, what does spider silk cost? Years of your life? Hopes? Dreams? Happiness? I was about to just read this. Yeah. It says, yeah. It says, un- unfortunately, obtaining this precious material comes material comes at a high cost. The spiders do not trade their silk for gold, but for much less tangible and more valuable things like dreams, memories, youth, beauty, and souls. What did... I know Manon stole it. Mm-hmm. But I think that was... There was someone else that... I don't know if whenever she was talking about the spider silk with somebody, that somebody literally gave up like eight years of their life or something. Uh, I remember reading was it. Was it like uncle? I think it was. Now that you say that, I'm almost, because I was like, was it another one of the witches? There was, because doesn't she try to help him get those years back from the spiders? I can't remember, but yes, we're with you, Jill. We're with you. Not to mention the one thing this creepster, I just, not to mention the one thing this creepster is so upset about just happens to be the fact that, and then she has in all caps, she never got to have children with her husband. But guess what Farah finds out in just a few days? Oh yeah, that she's about to have a baby. Just do yourself a favor and reread chapter 15. It has Vogue, Maeve, Spider Silk written all over it. I'll just leave this screen clipping here. If this portion doesn't scream throne of glass, I'm not sure what does. It's giving Ew, so Maeve like, origin story. I was going to say, is she like insinuating that Maeve <laughs> is the weaver? <gasps> Ew, I have goosebumps. And then she follow. Oh, and then it says, thank you for coming to my Ted talk, Jill. And then she also said, I'm a loser who forgot to attach the attachment. It's a bad look. Sorry about that. I'm like, oh. did Liv write this email? Uh, so then very something I would do. Uh, yes. Okay. So it's a snippet and it says, and her loss, her unending sorrow, she had created something from it, something extraordinary. I couldn't take that away from her, even if she asked me to. The silver thread, Elaine asked, what is that called? The weaver paused the loom again, which is also so fucking ominous. Like what in the creepy witch in a cottage? Yeah. The colorful strings vibrating. 
I don't know, just gives me harp vibes. She held my sister's gaze. No attempt at a smile this time. I call it hope. And then it says, my throat became unbearably tight, my eyes stinging enough that I had to turn away to walk back towards that extraordinary tapestry. Also, like, just the fact that she's so drawn to it and Elaine's just like, oh, yeah, what's that? Also, Elaine, now would be a good time to use your powers. I'm just saying. Enough about fucking birds that I'm obsessed with trying to talk about Crescent City. Can you use your sight powers and be like, no, sis, we don't need that. No, no, no. Let's go get you a new set of earrings. Like your baby. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need it. The weaver explained to my sister, I made it after I mastered void. I stared and stared at the black fabric that was like peering into a pit of hell and then stared at the iridescent living silver thread that cut through it. Bright despite the darkness that devoured all other light and color. It could have been me and Reese had very nearly gone that way. And then that was her screenshot. I'm creeped out. I'm so creeped out. And I believe you. (laughs) You know what, Jill? We're 110% on board because 100% Maeve vibes. And who's to say if this weaver, if... However, things have come with like the split and the rift and stuff, things that have come through. However, these worlds lay on top of each other. But also she's Jill, you're so right. That weaver, she had weird vibes. And it even. Is there a physical description of her? I know that Maeve can change her body or her look or whatever, but. Her name is Arena. And is a weaver who was born or moved at some point in her life to Valaris. So we don't know from where where she married a male and she was married to him for 300 years. She was the owner of a gallery where she sold things woven by her, such as tapestries and blankets, which is just also hilarious that we're doing this because the last episode was Elaine's void blankie. Yeah. (laughs) So this is very timely, but okay. So the day Highburn attacked the summer court, her husband was among those who came to help and was killed in the battle. The day after she heard the news, she invented a cloth, which she called void, and with it she wove a tapestry in the shape of the night court insignia. The fabric creates an absence of color as it represents the feeling of loss. I don't like that now that I'm thinking about baby Nix. Um, After the end of the war against Highburn, her gallery was visited by Farrah and Elaine when they were looking for gifts to give for winter solstice. She told them the story of the void, and Farrah bought it while Elaine bought two blankets, one raspberry pink and one lilac for Nuala and Caridwen. I'm looking up like the Weaver, Akafes, whatever, trying to find something. Yeah. And I just found this Reddit thing. <gasps> is it the tr- it, is it going to tell me about something about a spider? Yeah. You read it. What and is your Akamath, say? Read it to me. This person's just saying, I don't know if this theory has been talked about, but I'm on a reread of Akatar series and I'm on chapter 21 of Akamath in the Weaver's Cottage. Vera's description of the Weaver led me to theorize that the Weaver... And if who else is a Volg, and here's why. Here's a quote from the book. The weaver came closer, brick crumbling under her hands. She'd climb up like a spider, like I was a fly in her web. At the bottom of a Court of Thorns and Roses wiki page. Sorry, hang on. That was oh. Silent Toe 5. <laughs> Just want to give credit where credit's due. You know what? And what a <laughs> That's name. That's Silent Hyphen Toe 5. Oh, okay. Um, number then 5. The... Yeah. Numeral five. Okay. Yeah. You know that Reddit did not generate that name. Um, so 
arena is a synonym for arrhenius, the name of a species of weaver spider known for weaving large webs. Sarah J. Mass probably chose this name for the character because of the activities she does. Or that she's a fucking vogue spider. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Jill. Jill. You brought it. <laughs> Damn it. It's so insane. The planning, the thought. It. Listen, uh, we figured out some of the. Ah! This made me jump. It scared me. I Googled this spider and I don't like it. <laughs> I didn't. I, I didn't know. I didn't me. know it was going to be pictures right away. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That was awful. Okay. I'm very afraid of spiders. So sorry. That was awful. Awful. Okay, I'm getting off of there. So it is a spider. Uh, <laughs> it's real. Okay, anyways. What do you think about Jill's theory? I'm obsessed. And I'm obsessed with I'm Jill. actually scared now. Especially, well, especially I mean, as we're now officially in like the crossover phase of things. Yeah. And like you can't you can't mess with the fates, man. No. And Sarah has said that they're going to have to deal with the consequences of Nesta saving Nyx and Feyre. What does it mean? What does That's it mean? That's the thing. Everybody has all... We, you said this recently. Everybody's like, oh, this is, we're going to find out in the next book. No, we're fucking not. No, we're not. We're not going to know any of this shit until all of these are wrapped up. We are not. We're going to be waiting for years to we're know. We're going to be in our mid-40s oh, by God. the time... I know. Think about it. So gross. I know. But again, the people that have been around since the beginning of George R. R. Martin's. Just don't even put that on us. Don't even. You're right. I'm not going to. I'm not going to put it out in there. But Jill, listen, I'm here to tell you what right now. If you have anything else that you want to share with us. Number one, that was a fun read. And I'm just going to be very open and just let you know that I got so excited that you sent us that theory and how. I was flabbergasted where I'm like, wow, this whole tracks really well. I cried. I just want you to know, Jill, I got so excited. I cried. I told Liv I cried. And listen, I'm actually a little upset that Liv's not crying. Cry on command. <laughs> like All those pent up feelings you have, just let them out. I can't. No. Mm-mm. Did you take your medicine today? Yeah. Oh, then yeah. You're not letting any of that out. <laughs> but yeah, so... Jill, thank you. Thank you so much. Loved it. I'm ready for answers on some of this stuff. And keep them coming. Keep them coming. Uh, Maeve's a villain. I think that we're going to definitely see some of the like aftermath of some of the bullshit that Maeve has done. And I think we're definitely going to see that. But you want to know who's another just, and we've already talked about it, but Luke in marketing at Bloomsbury. (laughs) I'm not going to like out Jill, but I just looked her up like a creep. She's a fucking babe. Okay. Oh, Jill's a babe. Jill. uh, Go Jill. Go Jill. Go. Listen, Jill, you're smart. You've got a creative mind and you're picking up on shit with your theories and you're a babe. You know who's not a babe? 
fluke in marketing at Bloomsbury for fucking doing us dirty with that fucking Asteri's Dungeon bullshit. And then Yaz pointing out like that it's fucking silver flames under that dust jacket. Like, <laughs> fuck off, Luke and whoever those other ones were in there. Fuck off. You can't do us like that. But I do think it's really funny that Yaz, anytime that somebody has the book like open in any facet, she tries to zoom in because she's like, I'm going to pull words out of there. And every time she's like, well, still nothing, still blurry. <laughs> I can't get anything. So, but my God, we are less than 50 days away at the time of this record. We are 46 days away. Also, I just want you to know how often I Google how many days until January 30th, 2024. (laughs) It is my top Google search whenever you start with how many days. So, and right underneath that is Christmas and then followed by Halloween. Clearly my priorities. So 46 days until we get our answers. We're not getting any. No, no, no. From what ended the second one? Basically, yeah. our answers to what's going to happen to Hunt. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, all this other stuff? Oh, no, we ain't getting answers for years. She's going to have us in a fucking chokehold, okay? For the rest of our lives. The rest of our lives. As a physical book lover, we've all found ourselves in major need of a bookmark when we've been rudely interrupted while reading. Interruptions like your job, your needy pets and family, or your spouse wanting to tell you all about a random thing that they've been doing, all while you're at a really good part. Don't they see that we're reading? And in those moments, we've all found ourselves having to grab for a receipt, a post-it note, a scrap of paper, or the absolute worst, dog-earing your page. Well, in those moments, Case Leatherworks has you covered. Their dog ear bookmark fits perfectly over the corner of your page, so you never lose your place. Their products are made with top grain American leather in a variety of colors, and you have the option to customize your bookmark with your initials. Along with their bookmarks, they offer a variety of home good products that's perfect for any reading nook. Support small business by visiting caseleatherworks.com, and our listeners will receive 10% off your first order by using code THEORIES at checkout. That's offer code theories at caseleatherworks.com. Yesterday, so we're in the middle of my high school swim season, like high school swim coach. And my baby cousin swims for me. And they, I had to go do a Target pickup yesterday, as one does, because I literally drive by that Target on my way home. And they were all in there because next week is like our little Christmas white elephant, dirty Santa gift exchange thing where it's like a $10 or less gift or whatever. I walked, I actually had to go inside because I was grabbing another secret Santa gift, but it involves wine and they won't deliver that to your car. So you have to go inside. And so I went back to the book section with them. And so my cousin is a sophomore in high school. And then one of my other swimmers that was with her is a freshman. And of course, like one of the, another kid off the team was in there also looking for a gift. And they were like, Oh wow. Like, of course we would find coach Kelly in the book section. And I was like, thank you. But can we just talk about that while I was standing there and they were like, Oh, I have this on my list. I have this on my list. This is on my list. This is on my list. These children have almost nothing but smut on their <laughs> list. I'm like, just because that has a cute cartoon cover, Bookstagram has taught me that is not a cute cartoon story. There is a lot of boning and <laughs> lots of dicks and slits. Like, Kelly, what? I hate that word. <laughs> what, dicks? No. Oh, slits? Yeah. Noted. There's so many things I'm going to do with that. 
But for real, they openly have these books on their Amazon wish list. I'm like, do you know what a trigger warning is? <laughs> I'm like, are you learning about BDSM? Like getting choked out, like in the aisle at Target. I'm like, we need to go an aisle over into the children's book section. And that's where you guys need to be. And we need to be buying you the new Grinch book because I'm appalled. Icebreaker was one of them that they were like, oh, I have that. And I was like, that was literally the Probably Smut Book Club. That's dirty as fuck. And How old are these kids? 15. Okay. I think you need to mind your business. You sound really old right now. Okay. I, which I went, I came home last night and I told Casey all about it. And <laughs> did he say the same thing? He looked at me and he was like, and what were you doing at 15? <laughs> and I I'm was thinking. like, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> okay. He said, Jill, are you a Swifty? Jill, you better be a Swifty. Are you I hope this is the right Jill because I'm like so deep on your Twitter right now. <laughs> Listen, I feel like that if Jill is that much of a mastermind with that theory. You're right. You're right. She's a Swifty. Also, she's really creeped out by us now, but it's fine. You know what? We Just know that if you... we would Rebecca love- will tell you all about it. Like- <laughs> <laughs> you're now in the club. If you're going to message us and talk about the podcast, one, we're obsessed. Uh-huh. Two... We're going to look you up. Uh-huh. So far, 100%, 10 out of 10, all of you all are babes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Which is very unfair and a reason why we don't record with video. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Listen, I love us, but. <laughs> oh, God. Anyways, that was really fun. And so then we know that Emily's theories is back on the gram. And so Woo-hoo. she. She like archived all of her old stuff. And so now it is so fresh and so clean and she's two posts deep. And oh my God, did you read the one that I sent you the other day about Hunt? Emily's new theory. The one that came out like today? No, two days ago. I commented on it on TikTok and I was like, Emily. I- oh, is it analyzing the Crescent City three taglines? No. Oh, did you send me the TikTok reel? Yeah. And I said, Emily... I always have your back, but what the fuck is that? Oh, no. Okay. Let's start an Instagram and then we'll navigate to TikTok because... Uh, also, that's not, a, that's not a direct quote. That's not exactly what I said. It's no, but no, listen. I, I did say like why or something. I don't remember. I can't find it. Okay. Emily has... This is a carousel and she has sorry in advance for the last slide. Also, you're going to hate it. But she also wants to give credit to a court of mass who found and posted these taglines on her Instagram. And then she says she also has taglines for Earth of Blood and Sky and Breath posted if anyone is curious. Okay. So we are analyzing the Crescent City 3 taglines and where else these phrases have appeared in the books. We have a world in darkness, a burning spark, a blaze of stars. And then, of course, obviously, spoilers ahead for the entire Massiverse. Okay. Okay. We've got a world in darkness. Option one, the night court. Often referred to as a land of darkness. Relevant given that this is where Bryce has just landed. Um, and then they've pulled, she's pulled an excerpt where she's highlighted a land of darkness and starlight. Option two, hell with one L and a capital H. Similarly referred to as a world of darkness with each layer of hell being darker than the last. Relevant given that Apollyon suggests that the Northern Rift to hell will be opening again. And then she has highlighted the seven princes dwell in darkness and do not stir. 
We have no interest in your realm. And then we have, again, another slide of a world in darkness. So option three, Midgard. Towards the end of Crescent City 2, Bryce suggests that if someone can destroy the core of First Starlight, oops, yep, of First Light, Jesus Christ, under the Crystal Palace, the Asteri can also be destroyed. However, the entire First Light system is also what's powering Lunathian and providing the city with electricity. Thus, if it were to ever be destroyed, Midgard could potentially plunge into darkness. And then we destroyed that core first light beneath this palace. And then whose first light was powering her phone or her stereo or her coffee machine. So Bryce wonders about that. So then we move on to a burning spark. Option one, flame wielders. As seen with Aelin, AKA the literal queen of flame and shadow. And then, but before she could speak, blue flames sparked at Aelin's fingertips, the signal. Interestingly, Bryce is often described as having flames or fire in her eyes. Her father is also the Autumn King, who has fire powers, and her mother is named Ember. It's also said that Bryce can feel a, quote, giant cloud of power inside of her that she can't yet access. Could we have another fire wielder on our hands? Es possible. And then it says, I can feel it like this giant cloud of power right there. She ran a finger over the eight pointed star scarred between her breasts. Starlight pulsed at her fingertip like an answering heartbeat, but I can't access it. And then option two, a new relationship. Spark is often used by SJM when describing romantic feelings. Example, how Ethan describes his initial feelings towards Bryce or when a new relationship is about to blossom. In fact, the dating app in Crescent City World is called Spark. And it says, because I looked up his profile on Spark, the dating site, question mark. And then option three is Hunt's powers. Hunt's lightning is often described using the word Spark. This also ties into Thur and the Thunderbirds, both likely to feature heavily in Crescent City 3. God, I hope so. And then it's, through it all, Bryce had Bryce kept back with Athalar, Lightning still skimmed over his wings, sparked at his fingertips. He slammed his legs together, trapping her foot. His eyes lifted to hers. Lightning sparked there. Hunt's lightning sparked at his fingertip. And then now we've got a blaze of stars. Option one, the Starborn, featuring Bryce, Rune, and then likely Reese. God, I hope so. God, I just want Rune and Reese in the same fucking room, man. Ugh. God. Anyways, it is also heavily suggested that the Starborn Fae originated from the Dusk Court in Prithian and is likely to be a key part of the narrative in Hofas. This lines what you up, call me? Girl, you know what I called you. This lines up with the symbol of the eight-pointed star, the insignia of the Starborn Fae, that Nesta found in the prison where the Dusk Court was said to be, which we all know that. An isle of near permanent twilight, the home world of her breed of fae, a land of dusk. And then the heart sat atop a large rendering of an eight-pointed star. And then a blaze of stars, option two, starfall. In Akamath, Reese explains that the stars appearing on starfall are actually de- deceased souls on a yearly migration. However, he then notes that less and less of these spirits have been showing up. This is likely ties into Crescent City, as we are told the Asteri are eating the souls of the dead. <sighs> rendering these souls unable to pass on to the next life. This potentially explains the reduction of starfall numbers and why Amarin doesn't like starfall. And then it has, and then feed off our souls second light when we die. Like just pulling after they talk about the drop. 
And then another, A Blaze of Stars. However, if this is true, then Emily believes that Bryce will be in Prithian to attend Starfall. Oh, what if she is wearing that dress from that video that I showed you of that cosplayer where it's like the sheer black dress and like booty, booty, booty rocking everywhere. Mm. Why does anyone have the right to look like that in a dress like that? I don't know. I don't know. I'm actually like upset about it (laughs) because I'm basically shaped like a block and (laughs) like, I just look deflated. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. It's upsetting. It's nobody. So nobody needs to be that attractive. God. I'm just going to say that. You know what? But we're going to link the video just so you yeah, can we, see what we're You know about. what? We need you to see this video. It will definitely be in our show notes. <laughs> we all deserve this video. Okay. And so then Bryce will see the souls of Danica, Connor, and the rest of the pack of devils as stars in the sky flying into the next life, finally at peace. And then she says, I also hope a tiny yellow star will appear to the spirit of Lahaba. And that's where she was sorry about the last slide. I think about Lahaba so often. Wouldn't that be so sweet? You think about Lahaba the same way that I think about Taylor and Travis banging. I thought you were going to say the Viper Queen, but. Oh, okay. also that too. <laughs> you know what? Taylor is the Viper Queen. No, she's not. We're about to get reputation. Fuck off. Yes, mm, she is. Okay. Yeah, okay. she's on her way back into her reputation era. Okay. Because she already changed all of her Instagram. Like I her said, profile photos went from 1989 back to Midnight's, which is the gateway drug back to reputation. I sent Sarah this meme earlier. It's Not just, Sarah J. Mass. Our no, friend Sarah. <laughs> which Big Swifty. Which also SJM, if you also want to be our friend Sarah and referred to as our friend Sarah, yeah. that'd be cool too. Anyways, anyways, anyways. Page six tweeted the other day, Travis Kelsey planning special celebration, romantic dinner for Taylor Swift's birthday. And it's like two pictures of them. And then someone quoted it and is like, babe, wait till you see this. It's a rainforest and a cafe all in one. (laughs) (laughs) A factory that makes and serves cheesecake. Do you think he was also fooled by Olive Garden trying to teach us Italian? (laughs) I don't know. Oh, my God. To be American. I sent my mom and sister. It's cute. Bay, who's your favorite princess? Mulan, without a doubt. I thought you were going to say it was me. Did you liberate China? So valid. So valid. Oh my God. Casey sent me last night, literally, okay, sidebar. Last night, he's, I don't know, playing Call of Duty or whatever. And so the PS5 is set up in my office and my high back chair is like in the corner. We're not like head on facing each other, but we can definitely make eye contact, right? We're sitting in there, not saying anything. And this is what he sends me. And and I said, not us. Literally right now where he's playing his video game and I'm reading. And that's your algorithm. He He's like, do you understand how much your book stuff has just fucked my algorithm. <laughs> also, sidebar, the other night I was like, so listen, I don't know if you've ever like really heard of graphic audio. I was like, but some of the SGM audiobooks 
our graphic audios. And I think that you would really enjoy them. And I would really like for you to at least read Akatar, just so you understand what, because that voice note that I sent you last night, whenever I was reading or like listening to Crescent City and they were talking about the Northern Rift and I was like reading you directly, like from the text, he definitely thought that I was talking to him. And he was like, honestly, at one point I thought you just started speaking another language. Like I, I didn't know if you were calling me a bad name. (laughs) But Casey did tell me that he actually started listening to Akatar the other day. Nice. I know. I'm actually really excited because I love that one couple that her husband is really into reading Akatar. Like she, she's okay. Where are you at? And she'll record him and he'll be like, okay, listen. And I can't think of, I, because even if I tried to look them up right now, but I, I think that's really, they're really funny. Obviously Casey would <laughs> not have reactions as, <laughs> in such a way. Yeah. That guy, if he was not a theater kid, I would be shocked just by the way he acts. But the guy on the internet, not Casey Timbarge. <laughs> um, but I am really excited if he can, t- I was just like, have you listened anymore? He said, I started it, but then, I started this Netflix show and I was like, I swear to God, if you tell me it's breaking bad (laughs) and it will be the fourth time that you've watched it in the last two years, I will scream. He's like, no, that's just my comfort show. I was like, great. You can definitely tell that we are in the Midwest where you're like that meth show is my comfort show. (laughs) So yeah, so that's that's how Emily's going to tear our heart out. But what do you have on the TikTok? What's your hunt thing on TikTok? It's not good. Like it's a bad theory or like it's... No, it's gonna... a good theory and it's going to hurt. <laughs> you sent it to me? I did, but I can resend it. I can. It's fine. You don't look at the things I send you. It's fine. I'm sure I looked at it. Listen, last night was a lot. I'm... I found out about Jill. I get it. Okay. Also, all the things that we send to each other all the time and all the voice notes. I literally sent you like a two and a half minute voice note yesterday and you were like, and then I followed up in a text message last night. You're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I legit, <laughs> I didn't even see it, it was a full rant. Like, I tell you, they just come so fast. I know. Can't stop coming and they won't stop coming. I can't believe you didn't say that's what she said. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Emily's theories three days ago. Crescent City 2 spoilers. Warning, this will hurt if you like Hunt whatsoever. Great. In her most recent interview, SJM mentioned that she was talking with her editor about the worst possible thing that could happen to Hunt. They decided that it would be to put the slave tattoo on Hunt again, but I believe that it can and potentially is about to get so much worse than that. We know that the Asteri possess and inhabit the bodies of other beings. For example, Regalius is currently inside the body of a teenage fae boy. This is highlighted from the book, a shell to, don't say anything, a shell to house ancient behemoth to house an Asteri. But what if that's about to change? What if the next body Regalius will possess is Hunt's? Oh, it's all coming back to me now. Okay, keep going. Considering things from Regalius's point of view, it makes perfect sense. For starters, it would grant Regalius total control over Hunt's lightning, the most formidable power on the planet. In fact, I can't help but wonder if this sentence towards the end of Hosab is foreshadowing this 
as Regelius is tattooing, Hunt's power writhed in its iron grip, no longer his to fully command. Secondly, towards the end of Hosab, we've talked about that line because we're like, can he can they control his power through that I tattoo? I know, but you just saying it out loud to me again just like hurts. Yeah, it stirs up all those feelings. Secondly, towards the end of Hosab, we witness Regalius sitting on his throne as the first light funnels into him, charging him up. I just imagine it going through his butt. Where else is it going to go? <laughs> How else does it work? It's like no, a what? reverse bidet. No. <laughs> I guess it's just a regular bidet, just made of light instead of. Flutter. I almost said better out than in. I always say, but I'm like, that's nope. <laughs> wrong, tr- wrong directions going not exit only seven thrones towered on a dais at the far end i think it's dais i don't know i'm gonna start over seven thrones <laughs> towered on a dais at the far end of is the cavernous crystal space i don't know oh all but one lay empty at the center throne the occupied one it glowed full of first light funneling it right into the being who sat atop it in his butt <laughs> but recall the hunt <laughs> has the power to siphon and absorb first light Thus, <laughs> if Regelius inhabits Hunt's body, he wouldn't need to rely on his throne for power. Instead, he could access first light anywhere, anytime. He would be unstoppable. I hate this so much more like you reading it out loud to me. It's, this it is, hurts. This is a children's scary story. Quit interrupting me. Further, given the overt parallels between Bryce and Queen Thea, it is assumed that Bryce and her starborn powers are the greatest threat to Regelius and the other Asteri. As such, what better way for Regelius to defend himself than to take the body of someone Bryce loves? If given the chance to kill Regelius, Bryce would take it. But if Regelius was inside of Hunt, what would Bryce do then? This ties into the mythology around Hunt's birth name, Orion. Orion was a notorious hunter in Greek mythology. SJM is evidently aware of this connection, as when discussing Hunt's name in Hosab, Apollyon says, I see, because Orion was a hunter. However, in all versions of the mythology, Orion is killed. Most famously, he is killed by Artemis, his lover, which in some versions she was tricked into killing him. As such, it has long been speculated by readers that Bryce may be forced or tricked into killing Hunt. If Regelius is inside of Hunt, could this be why? This also ties into the Oracle's words to Hunt for him to keep well away from Bryce Quinlan. Additionally, Celestina's words to Hunt are also particularly ominous. Love is a trap. I hate her. Yeah, me too. Further, Orion the Hunter was also immortalized as a famous constellation. The brightest star in the Orion constellation is Regel. Who's afoot? Who's afoot? Given the similarities, could this be a clue that Regelius is part of Orion Hunt? Yeah, it's his foot. Lastly, we know that Regelius already has a tendency to assume the identity of others for his own gain. Example, when he pretended to be Aetis. We also know that Regelius' true goal is to enter Prithian. So that star will lead us back to that world. Through you, they overthrew our brethren who once ruled there. We have not forgotten. Our initial attempt at revenge was foiled by your ancestor who also bore that star on her chest. The Fae have still not atoned for the deaths of our brothers and sisters. Their home world was rich in magic. I crave more of it. If a portal to Prithian opens, there's no way that Bryce and the Akatar characters would let Regelius and the other Asteri in, but they would let Hunt in. If it was Regelius inside of Hunt's body, Bryce would be completely unaware of this. However, if it is eventually revealed that Regelius is inside of Hunt and Bryce and the inner circle, especially Asriel, Cassian and Reese, are forced to fight against him, then unfortunately it is a perfect parallel. Angel versus demon, Asteri versus princes of hell, 
Peleus, who was lied with the Asteri versus Thea Bryce. And as we are told multiple times, history is once again repeating itself. Oh, here's my comment. I usually have your back, Emily, but why? Mm-hmm. Three crying emojis. <laughs> Which now, so as as you got like past like the first couple slides, it all started coming back to me. <laughs> Somebody commented, did I just read House of Flame and Shadow? <laughs> <laughs> um, I do believe because Bryce does not know that the cat was not Adis, right? Or does she figure that out? She doesn't know until Regelius tells her. This comment says, could this be the reason why this time Regelius himself tattooed the crown on Hunt? And we've talked about that because I was like, why yeah. does it? He says, I don't need one of those crones. We're like, why? What's up with that? Why, so, like, why last time and not this time? Yeah, yeah. So she says, could this be the reason why this time Regelius tattooed himself with the because- tattooed himself? For- oh, my God. Could this be the reason why this time Regelius himself tattooed the crown on Hunt, like spellbinding his vessel? Yes, that's what I was about to say. It was his magic, like his essence, per se. So then that way he could have total control. Like, again, and I know I'm like a broken record about it, like Dorian's collar. But I think Hunt will still be there, like how Dorian is still inside and can push through. I want to read you this thread. Like the one I just said about binding his vessel. Yeah. Another commenter says, across his forehead seemed to turn darker. She's a target marked and he's an Asteri puppet. Someone else said, I noted this a couple times. I wonder what it meant. You're totally right. There's a line early in House of Earth and Blood when one of Micah's feathers brushes Bryce and Hunt zeroes in on it. Quote, as if the feather had left a mark, the tattoo of thorns. What? I have to look this up. That's in Sky and Breath. No. Earth and Blood. Oh. I'm not sure if the tattoo of thorns. Oh, wait, hang on. Oh, my God. I read these out of order. Her her caption went into two things. Oh, shit. Okay. So her quote, her ca- comment is supposed to say there's a line early in House of Earth and Blood when one of Micah's feathers brushes Bryce and Hunt zeroes in on it as if the feather had left a mark. The tattoo of thorns across his forehead seemed to turn darker. She's a target marked and he's an Asteri puppet. The, they got split up in the second half. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Other, oh, okay, okay, okay. That, that makes sense. It's, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't Yeah, so that. like the tattoo deepens. If the feather had left a mark. Micah marks her essentially. Yeah, which after you sent me that, which I didn't really delve too deep in the comments, but that was whenever I think I sent to you about Sarah loves her reincarnation. And I don't know if maybe it'll even be that Bryce kills him. It could even very well be like Hunt sacrifices himself in a way. And then is basically reincarnated and has the powers of Ew. Thur. I'm still convinced that he's going to come back as Thur. So this is whenever Micah and Isaiah and Hunt show up at the gallery, like the first. Yeah. Whatever. It's just kind of like giving us a background. Impossible to forget what Micah was, what the governor radiated with every breath, every blink. There were currently 10 archangels who ruled the various territories of the Republic, all bearing the title of governor, 
all answering only to the Asteri. An ordinary angel's magic might level a building if they were considered powerful. An archangel's power could level an entire metropolis. There was no predicting where the extra strength that separated archangel from angel came from. Highlight that. (laughs) Sarah's like, we don't know. Oh, I know you do. There was no predicting where the extra strength that separated archangel from angel came from. Sometimes it was passed on, usually mm-hmm. upon the careful breeding orders of the Asteri. Other times it popped up in unremarkable bloodlines. That sounds suspicious as hell. It also sounds like elite, like the bloodline stuff. Just not necessarily, I know obviously like hers was like witch blood, but just that fools that like full circle kind of thing where it just pops up. Like yeah. who fucking knows? Uh, She didn't know much about Micah's history, had never paid attention during history class, too busy drooling over the unfairly perfect face currently before her to listen to her teacher's droning. Miss Roga is waiting for our call, she managed to say, and tried not to breathe too loudly as the governor of Balbara swept past. One of his pristine white feathers brushed her bare collarbone. She might have shuddered were it not for the two angels behind him. Isaiah just gave her a nod as he trailed Micah toward the chairs before the desk. Hunt Athalar, however, lingered holding her gaze before he glanced at her collarbone, as if the feather had left a mark. The tattoo of thorns across his forehead seemed to turn darker. And see, like, obviously it was a witch that put it on there, but... And just like that, the scent of sex rippling off the archangel turned to rot. What? I mean, he was a hottie with a body. And then he went creepy. Wait, the Asteri and the Archangels could have easily found another way to hobble the power of the fallen, yet they'd enslave them with the witch tattoos woven into magical, the witch spells woven into magical tattoos stamped on their foreheads like fucked up crowns. As if the Senate was the SPQM, Senatus Populesque Midgard, the Midgard Senate and people. Total fucking bullshit. As if the Senate was anything but a puppet ruling body. As if the Asteri weren't their emperors and empresses, ruling over everything and everyone for eternity, their rotted souls regenerating from one form to the next. See, obviously, and we get the little like snippets here and there that, you know, we have it where it's like, Hunt's disassociating, but is he truly? Listen to this, though. What I just read. Hang on. He's definitely disassociating, but is he disassociating on his own accord or is it like whenever? This is right after. Hunt looks at her collarbone where, and his tattoo darkens. Mm-hmm. Bryce shoved the thought from her mind. This is about the Asteri. Bryce shoved the thought from her mind as she shut the iron door behind Hunt, just barely missing his gray feathers. His black eyes flashed with warning. So like, don't fucking mess with me, basically. Yeah. She gave him a smile to convey everything she didn't dare say aloud regarding her feelings about this ambush. I've faced worse than you, Umbramortis. Glower and snarl all you like. Hunt blinked, the only sign of his surprise. Why was he surprised? That she's standing up to him? Yeah, I think that's why he's surprised. I just want it to be more than that. Because he mentions, I think a couple of times, about especially the way that she talks to him in the beginning and then the way that she's not afraid to like basically tell Micah to go fuck himself in so many ways that it blows Hunt away that anyone grown ass males are quaking in their boots at just his presence. And she's over here. Fuck off. Eat shit. I'm going to say what I want to say. And I'm a badass. And I don't think he knows how to really take that because anyone else that would talk to him that way is 
technically like on his level, like in the Legion. Yeah. Or in a theory. Also, the entire time that you were saying governor, I really just wanted to be like, hello, governor. Every time. Oh, my God. Speaking of. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Sidebar. I sent Madeline this meme and it says two elderly British ladies greeting each other. Aloe vera, evening primrose oil. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Aloe vera. Aloe vera. Evening primrose oil. <laughs> so funny. I love it. I love it. What a wild time. Tell me you're from the Midwest without telling me from your, you're from the Midwest. Your top ordered item for 2023 was side of ranch. <laughs> Not you having two separate orders had, of ranch. I had a salad and a sandwich. That's not unacceptable to have one for each. Okay. Is it? You, all you do on this podcast is you belittle me, you're mean to me, and you food shame me constantly every day. You can't deny it. What do you mean? First off, I don't even like ranch. So just the fact I, that makes me like anti Midwestern because I don't like ranch, but get out. I know. Listen, I'm surprised that Casey actually agreed to marry me whenever he found out that I didn't like ranch, but I like Southwest ranch. So I'm not going to like ranch or do you just not like bad ranch? I like ranch veggie dip. So like it's got to be like the really thick, but there's good ranch and there's not good ranch. Let me tell you who has good ranch. Hidden Valley. No, that's eh. it's as not the top Gen tier. Zers would say is mid. It's mid. <laughs> God. Okay. You know what I found recently? That's Mediocrity. Like, what? It's pretty bitching like for home ranch, not restaurant ranch. Home ranch in a bottle. Lighthouse ranch. Oh, so freaking good. So good. Oh, okay. I can see the brands. Got it at my Sam's brain. Club. Yes. Yes. Delicious. Cheddars. They have great ranch. Cheddars has great honey mustard. I tried to get them to sell it to me when I was pregnant. They wouldn't do it. What? This home style ranch. So good. That's what I eat with my broccoli all the time. Oh, I do. I like it. Like I said, I like a good ranch dip with broccoli and carrots and oh, 3.2 stars. People don't know a good taste. That's definitely not Midwesterners rating that. Because it's delicious. Can I talk about the Princes of Hell? Do you think they would also like ranch? I don't know. So, obviously, we're doing prep for the summary, chapter summary, following this episode. And I'm just going to jump ahead a bit. You know, you'll hear it in the next episode. But this was this part of it was just... I had to actually do a little bit of extra research for it because I just felt like it was just very compelling. It's whenever Bryce decides that she's going to summon Adis and not tell Hunt that she's, that's who she's summoning. There's a part in it that, and I thought this was really funny. You actually texted me this, that many demons had numbers associated with them, like some sort of ancient email address. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably going to be relevant. A at gmail.com. Yeah. Okay. And then, so Adis occupied the fifth level of hell, the chasm. He yielded only to two others, the prince of the abyss and the prince of the pit, the seventh and mightiest of the demon princes. The star eater himself, whose name was never uttered on this side of the northern rift. Okay. No one would dare say his name, not after the prince of the pit became the first and only ever to kill an Asteri. 
butchering of the seventh holy star, Sirius the Wolf Star, during the first wars, remained a favorite ballad around camp war campfires. And what he'd done to Sirius after slaying her had earned him that awful title, Star Eater. What was it that I said in the last episode where I was like really fucking up like Star Eater and <laughs> anyways. So and then there's also that part where Adis asks Hunt why he is wearing a black crown on his brow. And then so then Adis, you know, was like basically to me like talking out his ass for a little bit. It says the seven princes dwell in darkness and do not stir. We have no interest in your realm. And then I Hunt said, I'd believe you if you and your brethren hadn't been rattling the Northern Rift for the past two decades. Also, sidebar, the way that they keep saying rattling the Northern Rift. Are we rattling the stars? I mean, depending on. So Sarah says that. Bryce shows up like, actually, we don't know the time frame. Do no, we? we don't know the time. I think that there's, I'm thinking of there's, between Akafas and Akasif. Yeah. She says it's like eight-ish, nine-ish months. Yeah. And it could be even like up to a year just. So we don't actually know. The no, difference. we don't know the difference. Again, time is only a construct and nothing is real. But I just think it's crazy that they literally keep repeating rattling the Northern Rift. Mm-hmm which Hunt's words had been delivered to him. You do realize that it might not be my people. The Northern Rift opens to other places, other realms, yes, but other planets as well. What is hell but a distant planet bound to yours by a ripple in space and time? And and then I wanted to punch myself in the fucking face where I was like, that was in front of me. But I also, again, had no concept that (laughs) this was going to be a crossover, like as when I read them where... I was just reading them as three separate series. And then Hunt said, hell is a planet. Most of the demons he'd killed and dealt with hadn't been able to or inclined to speak. Ada shrugged with one shoulder. It is a place as real as Midgard that most of us would have you believe it wasn't. The prince pointed to him. Your kind fallen were made in Midgard by the Asteri. But the Fae, the Shifters, and many others come from their own worlds. The universe is massive. Hmm. Some believe it has no end or it has 26 layers. I don't know. Or that our universe might be one in a multitude as bountiful as the stars in the sky or the sand on a beach, which I also noted those because I was like stars in the sky, Valaris. And then the sand on the beach immediately just made me think about Rowan on the beach in Throne of Glass. Also not them banging on the beach. Him, where's my wife on the beach? That's where. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And then, so then Adis says, or Adis chuckled. It is dreadfully amusing to hear the stories that the Asteri have spun for you. And then he also mentions that like the let, like, them rattling the Northern Rift is something that the lesser princes would do. And so that those are the princes that are below him. So he is the fifth level of hell. So then that would be levels one through four. And then that's when it says Hunt says that their kind wanted to live up here at one time and wants to know what change. And then Adis chuckled. It is dreadfully amusing to hear the stories the Asteri have spun for you. So then I looked up princes of hell one through four. 
And so then on the Crescent City Wiki page, you have the hollow, the trench, the canyon, the ravine. And then the fifth level is called the chasm. The sixth level holds the prince of the abyss. And the seventh level holds the prince of the pit. And then the northern rift is what opens to hell, but the northern rift also opens to other planets. And so I was looking into kind of just the different levels of hell. So we had our English literature class in high school Mm -hmm. that we literally talked about the circles of hell. And because I remember there was like one Reddit thread that was, there was someone on there that was very confused why Adis, the temperature was dropping as Adis was in the room. We're like in hell, we think about fire and brimstone. Mm -hmm. And, but as you get lower and lower in the circles of hell, like we learned in our English literature class, the colder it gets. And that, that I think what we learned was the nine circles of hell. I think. I don't know. But either way, the lowest one is literally frigid. So I went through and was really looking because we don't have much information on any of the like lesser princes. So someone said, you need to go and look at the Divine Comedy by Dante. So the Divine Comedy is a long narrative poem written in Italian circa 1308 through 1321 by Dante. It is usually held to be one of the world's greatest works of literature divided into three major sections. Inferno, Purgatorio, and Paradiso. The narrative traces the journey of Dante from darkness and error to the relevant, the revelation of the divine light culminating the Beatific vision of God. So then Dante is guided by a Roman poet, Virgil, who represents the epitome of human knowledge from the dark wood through the descending circles of the pit of hell, which hell is inferno. Passing Lucifer at the pit's bottom. So basically the prince of the pit is the equivalent of Lucifer. At the dead center of the world, Dante and Virgil emerge on the beach of the island mountain of purgatory. Really weird that I literally, he mentions sands on a beach, but yeah, at the summit, oh, <laughs> at the summit of purgatory where repentant simmer, oh, simmers, <laughs> Jesus, repentant sinners are purged of their sins. Virgil departs having led Dante as far as human knowledge is able to the threshold of paradise. There Dante is met by Beatrice embodying the knowledge of divine mysteries bestowed by grace who leads him through the successive ascending levels of heaven to the Imprian where he is allowed to glimpse for a moment, the glory of God. So her pulling from the divine comedy and the like different, levels of hell it's once you get down to the very bottom level of hell then you work your way back up towards the divine Hmm. like it's almost like in the earth like you go to the core and then you go you just keep going through and you come back out to the divine my mind can't wrap around that really and just it's that whole like angels and demons Hmm. thing that they are closer they are closer in their like being 
like selves than what they like to think that they are. And so I think that we're going to see a lot more of that where that whole like angels and demons, like, and I've talked about that angels and clearly we see that in Crescent city are not all the Holy angel on the top of your Christmas tree or those angels with trumpets that we hear about in like children's Bible school or whatever. Like these are like warriors and these are, they're there to fight in wars against hell and demons and, so I just think it's, I just thought it was just like a cool, because I'm very into, obviously I like Carrie Maniscalco's Kingdom of the Wicked, Kingdom of the Feared, Kingdom of the Cursed, and then now Throne of the Fallen. And then Emma Ham, she's another author that she has her like, her like demon court stuff. So she has started on like the different princes of hell and stuff. And so it's very fun to see the different interpretations of the diff of like the princes of hell and how they're depicted mm-hmm. because these seven princes of hell, obviously they are the epitome of the sins for throne of the fallen, basically the equivalent of the prince of the pit is the character wrath because then he is basically the like, true devil of hell. He is like the ruler of hell, which is what you have with the prince of the pit. And so it that's where I was like, okay, there has to be overlap in some of these. But since we don't know as much of, of especially of the lesser four, we have storylines for the other three. So that's what I'm hoping to see a little bit more of in Flame and Shadow is we get to see a little bit more of these lesser princes and what how they play into it. Mm-hmm. And I also would like to see a little bit more on some of these other fucking Asteri. Like, we have some of their names, but we know nothing else about mm-hmm. them. All we got is a foot. <laughs> that's it. But... Yeah, so I'm going to do a little bit more of like a, a deeper dive of the Princess of Hell. But whenever I was doing the re- the notes for our summary, I was just like, I'm just curious where she's pulling her, the Princess of Sin, the Princess of Hell, where some of her lore was coming from. But I did find the Divine Comedy to be very interesting about how basically you go in one direction and then you're going to come back out and it's just they're all interconnected to each other anyways. So I think it'll make for a very interesting third installment of Crescent city. As far as our favorite little princes underground. I'm excited. I'm excited. Like I said, we're 46 days away and it is literally my top Google search of how many days until January 30th, 2024. This is going to come out on winter solstice. So we're very excited. Uh, I can't believe it lined up like that. That's really fun. And another really fun thing is that we have already started, granted we are gearing up for January 30th, the big release, but we are really excited because we do have some really fun things planned for the beginning of 2024 leading up to the release, but we got to keep it a secret, but we are really excited to be planning that. And I can't wait for that because it will come out right before release. So it'll be a lot of fun. And we would just like to say thank you, Jill, for your contribution <laughs> to the show. We appreciate you. Keep those emails coming. So thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. 
check out our bonus episodes of the House of Earth and Blood chapter recaps right after this episode to prepare for the release of House of Flame and Shadow. And don't worry, we will also be doing Sky and Breath as well. Um, Follow the show on Instagram and TikTok at A Court of Theories. You can follow us on our personal pages. Slide into our DMs or email us your theories at accordoftheories at gmail.com. We hope you have a happy winter solstice, a happy Kwanzaa, and a very Merry Christmas, and whatever else you may be celebrating this holiday season. And once again, thanks for listening. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye.